You're listening to In Conversation from the Educational Freedom Institute. All right, and we are live on the Educational Freedom Institute podcast. Hello, everybody. It's Corey DeAngelis, uh, your host, the uh, executive director at the Educational Freedom Institute. And with, with me, of course, is the co-host, Matthew Nielsen, the founder of the Educational Freedom Institute and the president of the board as well. We have a very special guest with us today. It's representative from Georgia, Wes Cantrell. And he was actually one of the, he was the primary sponsor on a recent bill in the Georgia House, House Bill 60, which was a bill that intended to fund students as opposed to institutions through education choice uh, scholarships. So thank you so much, uh, Representative Cantrell, for being with us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Yeah, great. Could you give us a little bit of a background of just maybe your interest in school choice or the reason behind kind of introducing this bill and then take us a little bit through what the bill actually said. uh, And we're talking about House Bill 60. And then after that, if you want to just give us a little bit of a background on what went down with the bill and uh, a little bit more information. Yeah, well, Corey, well, first of all, what people need to know is that education, the passion for education runs really deep in my family. My grandparents were educators. My grandfather was a principal and he hired a young lady teacher. He liked her. He married her. She became my grandmother. My mother served on the state board of education in Georgia uh, back in the 80s under Governor Joe Frank Harris. And uh, I taught school. I, I went to youth ministry. I'm a, I'm a minister by trade. So um, I went to youth ministry, but if I had not gone to youth ministry, I would have spent my entire adult life, I'm sure, as some type of educator. Uh, I did teach school in the public schools primarily for about eight years back in the early 2000s. And I have a son who's a uh, public school educator right now. So I, I tell people all the time I'm all about public school, but I'm also all about giving you know, families options for those kids that need them. So when I got elected, Seven years ago, I went to the, uh, we affectionately refer to it as Jeb Fest, I guess. The, um, what are they, Excellence in Ed? Is that the name of the? Yeah, Excel in Ed. Yeah, Jeb Fest. Yeah, so I went to that uh, the first year I got elected. I had never heard of ESAs. I knew about the special, we have a special uh, education scholarship here. We have a tax credit scholarship here. I'd never heard of ESAs. And I heard about that for the first time at that conference. I was like, man, these things, this is, you know, this is the holy grail for school choice. It gives you the most options possible for a family. And it really allows you to cater, you know, it's not just tuition. It's, you know, it's something all, all complete where you do a cafeteria approach to, to really, um, you know, meet the needs, particular needs of your, of your child. So I became, I came back, uh, just fired up about ESAs and, um, I introduced the bill, Oh gosh, I guess five, four or five years ago now, my third year, this is my seventh year down here. So four years ago. And um, I found out quickly that, that it wasn't much of an appetite for it here in, uh, in the general assembly. And the Republicans had a, a pretty sick, almost a super majority. Then I think we were at 118, 119 out of 180. And I just was naive. I thought, oh, golly, you know, we're all going to be on board with this. It's going to be so easy. And um, sorry, my uh, I have one of those motion sensors on the lights. (laughs) But uh, 
I'm in a government building, so they're trying to save as much time ah. as possible. <laughs> uh, so I introduced the bill and um, a lot of opposition from my colleagues. Obviously, the Democrats were pretty much locked down against it. I had three Democrats that supported it. But I found out that the um, I found out real quick that the education lobby is uh, by far the most powerful lobby in our state. And it's not because of money. It's because of relationship, intimidation. They're very well organized. And I say all these things as, as a compliment. I'm not I'm not complaining. They really know how to lobby legislators. And um, so I worked the bill really hard. And uh, the uh, speaker allowed me to get to the floor for a vote. Uh, at uh, I went to the floor at 1245 a.m. on what's known as crossover day, the last day the bill can come out of the house. And um, the vote was at 1.30 a.m. and I got slaughtered. I got I only got 60. We have 180 members. I don't know how many were there at that time of day, probably 160 <laughs> or 165. And I got 60 votes. I didn't even get I barely got half of my own caucus. So I realized there's something here as far as uh, there's an education issue. Uh, a lot of my colleagues were confused about what the bill did. They thought ESA, they were thinking, you know, this college savings plan. Oops. So I realized I had a, a big job in front of me. So I worked really hard the next year, the next session. And uh, I, we had got a new senator on board and um, I wrote the bill and he carried it over in the Senate because we felt like it would be, easier to get through the Senate first, get a lot of publicity, and then maybe be able to bring some pressure to bear in my chamber. And unfortunately, we had a brand new lieutenant governor, and there was a lot going on politically behind the scenes. And um, and that bill failed on the floor by, I think, two votes, three votes mm-hmm. in the Senate. So it was very disappointing. So this year, I brought it back again. And, you know, I was a glutton for punishment. I love beating my head against the wall. And, but I had a lot of new co- a lot of new allies this year uh, amongst colleagues who had been against it a few years ago because of the pandemic and just the resentment that um, they have for these systems that are just, you know, failing our kids. It's just unbelievable what some of our, our school systems, the decisions they're making not to provide school you know, I live in a school system. We blazed the trail. Cherokee County was one of the very first school systems in the nation to open up. We got a lot of um, national news that wasn't uh, positive because of some pictures uh, kids took on uh, crowded hallways and seniors. Oh, was posted. that in your county? Ah. That was my county. It wasn't in my district, but it was in my county. And our school board did a, did a great job, man. They didn't succumb to the pressure. They stuck it out. We had we had some uh, my my son teaches in the system there, and uh, we had some schools that had to you know pause temporarily. Some had to go to a hybrid model temporarily. Mostly it was high schools, you know, where the kids were because of the contact tracing and everything. The, the elementary schools and the middle schools did great until Christmas break, and uh, you know they didn't get it at school. They got it over the Christmas holidays, and it wasn't it wasn't students. It was teachers and administrators that made it impossible because we couldn't get enough subs. So they had to go virtual for two weeks. But other than that, they've been in person uh, pretty much 100 percent of the time. So I'm very proud of my my county. But anyway, tell me if I'm rambling. This is this is great. It makes it easier on us. But uh, how how did the kind of battle go this year? I know 
you passed it out of committee 12 to 10. Um, I did. And it, was a, vote, it, and then yeah, it was a fight to get it out of committee. I mean, we had uh, 16 to eight Republicans and, and, I, and I got it out 12 to 10. That, that gives you any indication with one Democrat uh, voting in favor of the bill. We've got a brand new a Democrat colleague. She's awesome. And she told the story in committee of her. She moved from Sandy Springs, which is the area that I grew up in just North of Atlanta. It's a very affluent area. And we have over 2000, I forget 2200 elementary schools in Georgia, public schools. And she went, she, her daughters attended a top 10 public school in Sandy Springs. Well, they moved to where she grew up to an Atlanta public school to the bottom 10 school. Mm. And so immediately she began having some problems with her daughters. So she went to her school board member and she said, Hey, what are we going to do? I need some help with my daughter. You know, she was doing great before and now we're really struggling. And that school board member had the audacity to say, you just need to move back to Sandy Springs. And uh, it was just a powerful uh, testimony of exactly what we're trying to help families with when they're, they're trapped in a, in a, um, an environment that's just not working for their kids. Sometimes it's the school's fault. Sometimes it's a learning style. Uh, you know, it could be all kinds of things. I'm trying, mm-hmm. I try not to point the finger, but just mm-hmm. to point towards solutions more, focus on the solution more than the problem. But uh, barely got it out of committee, thought I had momentum, and um, I just couldn't get the votes. And so it never came to the floor. If it had come to the floor, it would have lost. Uh, I need 91 votes. I think I probably had 80. I wasn't real far away. Um, But uh, better to live and fight another day. I mean, we're the first year of a two year session, so I can still, you know, the bill's still alive um, because we haven't voted it yet. So I can bring it back next year. It's funny. I've been trying to um, thread the needle to make enough people happy to get this thing passed. So I've got the specifics of the bill is that it would, you know, it would take the state portion of that student's funding, put it in an account administered by the state with pre-approved vendors. They'd have to apply to be approved. So the money would never touch the family's hands. It would go directly to the private school, the teacher, the textbook company, whatever it might be. Uh, and it would apply to uh, students who are in the bottom 25% of schools, students who are in uh, below 20% of the poverty level, which is about $50,000 a year for a family of four. So low income families, students who are in a foster care or have been adopted out of foster care. They've been moved around a lot. Students from an active military family, they've been moved around a lot. Special needs. We already have a special needs scholarship, but special needs families tell me all the time, you know, there's not a public, there's not a public or a private school within driving distance that meets the needs of, of my child. Mm. So, so private school tuition is not the answer for me. I need tutoring. I need someone to come to the house. I need therapy. Uh, I need some online type stuff. And so that's the beauty of the ESA versus the, uh, the special needs scholarship, which we currently have. And then um, last category was those who had, who attended a school that had been closed to in-person instruction for at least a semester. So, I mean, it's pretty hard. So you covered a lot of the bases there, um, Representative. It makes me wonder what were some of the hangups because, it, I mean, you oh, there's you covered there's a lot of the hangups that people have. 
No, there's one, there's one hangout, Matthew, mm-hmm. one hangout. I think you probably know what it is. I do. All, I, those, <laughs> all the superintendents <laughs> blasting 20,000 emails um, and, and, and sending emails all, to all of their staff to tell them that you're, you're, you're going to get fired if you, or you're going to lose your job to competition. If, if, if this Listen, program, passes, even though it's a small program targeted to the least advantaged. And I, and I was capped at 0.25% of the current enrollment, 4,300 kids out of 1.7 million. And the cap would add 0.25% each year for 10 years to cap out at 2.5% of the entire enrollment. And yet that was, you know, I mean, it, it almost makes about me- as conservative as you can get on a, <laughs> on a bill. I mean, I don't know what else she could have done. Listen, let me tell you this. If I had a dollar, For every time one of my colleagues said to me, Wes, I love your bill, but But. my superintendent told me if I vote for your bill, they'll never speak to me again. I had one, one, one of my colleagues and she really wanted to vote for the bill. And I think she probably would have on the floor. She told me that there were, she represents four counties and all four superintendents came to her house to visit her wow. about this bill. They are and- so terrified of losing a few students. <laughs> it, it is just insane. What does that tell you about how they feel that, that what they believe about what parents feel about their schools? It's just, I know. And it's listen, crazy cool. how hard they fight to go to your house with other <laughs> superintendents. I mean, just imagine if, if a, if a corporation just start, started freaking out like that, it's, oh, no, you can't go shop at you McDonald's. Can't. McDonald's starts saying, oh, no, I'm going to knock on your door and say you can't go eat at Burger King today because you oh, go put again. me out of business. It's all good. You had to stop me. Come on. <laughs> right. wow, wait, That's I had to, crazy. I had That's to dance crazy. around and get it to come back on. <laughs> well, well, Wes, it, it, it almost makes me think that, you know, if they're going to fear monger this much, about a, a bill that's limited and, and pretty much still protects them from competition. And if they're going to bring that same energy, we might as well just pr- propose something that actually is wide, uh, open. wide open and universal and because yeah. they're going to well, act the same either I, way. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And uh, three years ago, uh, the first time I heard about ESA is a colleague of mine who was on his way out introduced universal ESAs and it, it never got out of, um, out of I committee. Mean, uh, well, all this begs the question though, uh, Wes, wh- why do you hate public schools so much? <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's what's so terrified about is Cause I, I could, when I got elected, uh, we have a, a formula here for funding public education. It's called QBE quality basic education formula. And it's never, been fully funded in the history of our state. It was in, it was instituted in the eighties. So under Democrat control from the eighties till the early two thousands, it was never fully funded. Then I got elected in 2014 and I didn't know any better. I'm just this young, naive, well, not young, but this naive politician. And uh, so when I got down here, I found out we were $137 million short of fully funding QBE. And, um, in the big, that's a lot of money, clearly. But in the, in the you know in a forty million billion dollar budget, it's a blip. So I I made an appointment with the governor, and I went down. So I said, Hey, Mr. Governor, one hundred thirty seven million. We've got 
we at that point we had like 1.5 billion in the rainy day fund. I said, even if you want to take it out of the rainy day fund, let's put it in the budget. And he didn't want to do it. And so we didn't do it. And so then I went to my education committee and I got everybody to sign a letter. Let's, let's, let's beg the governor to fully fund QBE. And he still didn't do it. And then all of a sudden we had a little extra money at the end of the year, which often happens. And uh, he, he applied that money and we fully funded QBE. So I immediately, I texted my superintendent and I said, Hey, we just fully funded QBE for the first time in history. I had nothing to do with it, but I want all the credit. <laughs> so, cause I have a good relationship with my superintendent, you know, I'm with them 99% of the time, but just this one issue, um, you know, they just can't, that would help kids. And I just don't get it. So well, a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the we people fully that vote. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of the people that vote against funding students directly, they vote for funding students directly as long as it's for other things like pre-K programs or higher education with Pell Grants and the GI Bill right. or food stamps where you, you fund people rather than buildings. It's just weird to me that only when it comes to K-12 education, people freak out about it. And I think it's only because of this special interest that profits from getting the money, regardless of, of the choice of the family. I mean, you'd probably have yeah. the same kind of opposition if in higher education, everybody had to go to the community college if they wanted to use Pell Grants, for example. Yeah, that's probably, probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. And, you know, the thing that's, um, you know, Florida is to our South. And, um, you know, when Governor Bush, after his first term, and they began to implement some real serious choice in 2003, you took the major indicators and you averaged them. Florida and Georgia were on a pretty equal footing. Florida was 36. We were 40. Well, since 2003, they have just, they've killed it. Okay. They've got more kids in educational choice programs than anybody in the country. And in that same time, they've gone from 36 to 17. Georgia, we did two modest programs. We have the special needs scholarship and we've got the, the tax credit scholarship. Uh, and we've gone from uh, 40 to 34. So um, they're killing us. And I, and I use that illustration over and over to say, you can have both. You can have both. And our economy is so great in Georgia. We're the number one state in the country to do business. We have been, I think, seven years running. So why can't we be the number one state in which to educate your child? You know, they kind of go hand in hand because businesses want to locate in states where their employees have, you know, great educational options. But man, I'm telling you, it's like pushing a rope uphill. Well, and, and when you have more choice, I mean, the, the studies in Florida, I think there's at least 10 studies on this topic, all finding that in response to that competition from school choice, the public schools get better too. Oh yeah, so, definitely. I mean, it's a, it, it's a win-win situation until you start thinking about the union bosses and just a couple of people in this and the administrators in the system, but yeah. not so much for, for, you know, it's, it's, it's a win for teachers and families and students, but there are some actors where it's, where it's not a win. Well, we don't have unions here, but uh, you know, off offline, when I talk to a super or especially teachers, they know this is good. They just can't say it out loud in public. Mm -hmm. And when I taught school, you know, I, I was a sex education guy. So I'm teaching eighth grade boys. All right. On a very interesting subject to them. But every time, every class I had, there was always two or three kids who shouldn't have been in there. They weren't ready 
Maybe they had a special need. Oftentimes, and I'm not trying to be funny by saying this, okay, but oftentimes they had a parapro with them. And it was typically a, a lady in her 60s. And here she's come into a classroom of eighth grade boys and a teacher teaching sex ed. And, you know, to, to, sit, to act like that doesn't affect the ability of the classroom to, you know, to, to move forward and to really educate kids is silly. And if we could just, even if we just had the kids in the margins and gave them an option because the environment, for whatever reason, the public school environment's not helping them along, everybody would do better. Because if I could elim if eliminate, too strong a word, but if those two or three kids could have been in a better environment than those 27 that were left in my classroom, we would have been able to do so much more in the short time I had with them because I was having to, to worry about the kids that were falling behind. So you mentioned a second ago, the uh, Georgia tax credit scholarship program, which already exists, but um, I hear there's some movement with that bill. Is it seven, Senate bill 47? Is that an expansion? That, that's the special needs, special needs. Ah. Uh, it expands the definition of special needs. I'll be carrying that bill in the House. It came out of the Senate very tight. I think it had a two vote margin. Uh, it'll be a tough sell, but basically it just takes our special needs scholarship and expands the definition of special needs a little bit to give access to a good number more of kids. Because we've had that for about 15 years. There's only about 5,000 families taking advantage of it currently. So a lot more, a lot more families um, would like to have that opportunity. So uh, with your colleagues um, with the House bill, did they propose any type of amendments that would that would get them to vote for the bill? Uh, if so, what were some of those proposals like? Did you do? Did you actually go ahead and do some of the amendments? Did you lose other people? <laughs> Was there any of that kind of stuff going on? Uh, there was every all of the above. Uh, I I subbed. The, they call it subbing. Whenever you change the bill, uh, we didn't do a, a technical. You can do amendments in committee. We by the time we got to committee, I had subbed the bill. I think eleven times, um, and most of those, some of those were from colleagues. But I met with the superintendents. I met with the school board association. I met with the teachers groups. I spent hours on the phone, and I told them. I said, "Listen, here's my goal." I know you're not going to support my bill. Okay. So, but the dream scenario for me would be for you to show up at my bill hearing and say, you know what? We still don't like this bill, but we like it a whole lot more than we did a few weeks ago because Representative Cantrell is such a reasonable man and he's met with us. And, and to be honest, uh, I was surprised the things they asked for were, you know, aside from dropping the bill altogether was to, um, were reasonable. There were some accountability measures, some, um, uh, I forget what all the things were, but it was so funny. The first meeting I had with the school boards and superintendents, they asked for about seven or eight things. I gave them all of them. I did all seven or eight. And then I wrote them a note, sent them the sub, said, hey, great meeting. I've incorporated everything you asked for. In, in and they bill. still come out against you and send mass emails same with the same energy, yes. no matter what it's you do. The mass emails, I, I don't know why that works. It doesn't work on me. You know, when I get the same email, it's a form email, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, you know, I can't hit delete fast enough, but apparently my colleagues, I, you know, courage is a, a, a scarce, is in scarce quantity everywhere, but particularly uh, in politics, <laughs> you know. Um, 
I I spent the day the night before my hearing, they started bombarding us with the emails. And so I thought, okay, you're going to send me a form email. I'm going to send you a form email. So I went, I, I addressed every single thing in the email. And it was, and it was a lot, it was probably the equivalent of about three full, there I go again, three full type nah. pages. And, um, <laughs> sorry. And, uh, and so I started replying to everyone. I spent four hours and then, so then teachers started engaging me and the vast majority of them were like, Oh, that's what it does. Oh, oh it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get me fired automatically. It doesn't close down my school. <laughs> There's never been a public school that's closed as a response to school choice programs. No, of course yeah. not. But it was, so, you know, so it's, a, it's such an educational process, uh, because they've been fed a bunch of garbage about what the bill did. And then when I start telling them what it does and the final thing that the final amendment I put on the bill was that uh, as small as the cap was, it would be, it would be frozen if the general assembly did not fully fund QBE, the public school. Uh, so, you know, so the whole funding argument was really moot, but mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, even though I'm saying we're going to fully fund. And then, you know, I told them about, the whole you know, math is hard and, uh, you know, you still can keep the local and the federal portion. And I've got a study here that shows that on average for every student that leaves, you gain $3,800. So your per student funding goes up, your class sizes go down and your schools do better. I mean, your students do better academically. What's it's, not it's a great deal. It's a great <laughs> deal. I mean, just imagine if you left a private school and started, and you went to another private school in another state or something, and they got to keep half of your tuition payments each year in perpetuity. Exactly. That would that would be ridiculous to to for a private school to expect that, and for anybody to enter into that contract. And it would be ridiculous if you left Walmart, started shopping at Trader Joe's, and Walmart got to keep half your grocery bill each week. That just it just would, it's just absurd to even think about, yet you still have the public schools acting like the sky is falling, even though they're financially benefiting on a per people basis based right. on what, based on the, the funding formulas. Matthew, where, where did you go on us? I'm here. We're, we're all having technical difficulties oh, here oh, today. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> we, we are getting up to close to about a half an hour. Uh, Representative Wes Cantrell, do you want to give us some maybe, uh, Final thoughts, what you want people on the on the call to uh, on the podcast to main takeaways from the conversation and maybe um, what's on the horizon for you when it comes to school choice? Well, I think it's folk. You know, we just got to focus on the kids. We got to we got to stay focused on the best. What's the what's in the best interest of the child? And uh, we just it's just we lose that focus so quickly. Um, in 1998, my wife and I. And two other couples started a the first hybrid school in the state of Georgia, <clears throat> and it now has over a thousand kids. But um, it's been a great, great thing. But it's not for everybody, you know. It, you go to school two days a week, you school at home three days a week, and um, you know, I, it never crossed my mind to tell people this is the way to do it. It's for everybody. One, this one size does fit all. You know, it would never <laughs> cross my mind to do that, and yet. When it comes to public education, the demand is that, you know, this has to work for every single kid. So we just got to keep fighting, Corey. I'm not giving up. Uh, you know, I am getting a little bruised on the side of my head. Uh, I had so many colleagues that saw me today. Yesterday, we went from 10 a.m. till 11 p.m. And my bill was alive all the way to the very end. Uh, I knew it wasn't coming, but I kind of like to 
tweak the uh, the opposition, make them think it's coming. So uh, I, I kept it alive, even though I knew, you know, we weren't going to bring it because I'd worked all weekend. I'd called every single one of my colleagues, 103 of them, and uh, trying to, you know, find the votes and see well, what can I what can I do? How can I get you? You know, and I don't really do transactional politics. I try to mm. win by, you know, the art of persuasion and having a good idea. Uh, and plus, I, you know, I'm just not really good at this political thing anyway. So I don't have anything to offer. You know, what, you know as far as if I want to do transactional politics, I got nothing. You know, <laughs> so I got nothing to give you. It's 10 bucks. You know, I mean, I have to pay. <laughs> um, we just got to keep fighting, man. I mean, um, we know we're on the right side of this and we know history is going to show us to be on the right side of this. And it's already showing up in other states. And it, we're headed to we're headed to a time where every child's going to have a cafeteria approach to education that's going to best meet their needs, at least as an option. And those parents that don't want to do that, they can stay in the public school, they can stay in a private mm -hmm. school, they can do whatever they want. But but for the but for those who do, why are we holding them back? You know, it makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. So uh, keep on. I, I love what you guys are doing. I love following you on Twitter. Um, you're able to get away with saying some things that I probably better off not saying. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but it, well, you know, it's just good to, good to know other people are in the fight, you know? Hey, well, it, 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 I'm pretty optimistic and it, you know, it's, it's great to hear that in Georgia from what you've talked about on this, on this podcast, that there's momentum going in the right direction. You know, you fought this kind it of is. fight before and it, it didn't have the same kind of energy that it had behind it this year. So that's, that's some good news to end on. And I, you know, yeah. I want to thank you again, representative West Contrail for uh, agreeing to, to come on with us and uh, yeah. share some of the information on the, from the inside as it pertains to a couple of these bills in Georgia. If, if anyone wants to go check them out, uh, representative Cantrell was the uh, primary sponsor on house bill 60, the Georgia educational scholarship act. And uh, we talked about Senate Bill 47, the Georgia Special Needs Scholarship Act as well, which recently passed uh, the Senate over there in Georgia. So everybody go check that out. I put the, the links to Representative Cantrell's webpage on, in the comments. I put the links to the bills in the comments as well. Uh, but until next time, thank you all so much. Thank you, Representative Cantrell, for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for catching another episode of the Educational Freedom Institute podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find EFI online at efinstitute.org, on Twitter at EF underscore Institute, and on Facebook at Educational Freedom Institute.